Welcome, everyone, to this panel. Um, I have this very high-tech uh, thing here where I want to introduce everybody. I'm Emily Parker. Um, uh, here with us today is Nate Jones, head of growth at Royal. Uh, Char Damn. Charlie Durbin, co-founder at Decent. Mark Kovic, digital marketing and NFT artist at CTK Entertainment. And our special guest, who has joined the program recently, is Verite, a musical artist. Hey. All right, so let's get into it. Um, the title of this panel is, Can Blockchain Revolutionize uh, Music Royalties? And I'm actually curious to know if it can. Um, so I'm hoping that everybody can share you know, specific experiences and challenges, and we'll just sort of get into it. So let's, Mark has um, volunteered to go first. Um, can you? <laughs> He was, yeah, it's sort of, we mutually agreed <laughs> that Mark would go first. With, the, with that jacket, you have to go first. I mean, and you the boots. To. You knew yeah. that. <laughs> so, Mark, can you just tell us, like, in the most sort of simple and concrete terms, what your experience has been with blockchain technology? You know, I don't know how familiar everybody is in this audience, but if you could just really break it down, like, how you've worked it into your art and what it's done for you. I don't know whether, oh, there we go. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, th this is a really, really big topic, and my hope is that as many people who feel comfortable are going to throw their hand up and throw questions my way because I'm very, like, cognizant of not going too far down the rabbit hole in anything, especially considering I'm kicking off. But I think for me, if I was going to try and summarize it, I think that the blockchain is a game where everyone is playing on the same playing field as opposed to it being lots and lots of independent islands of operation that are not really uh, particularly well interconnected. So the, the extent to which problems can be solved when many people play on the same playing field is huge. So, so as an artist, it's revolutionized the way that I represent myself and the way that I've been able to not only monetize things, but definitely build community, which is a, a hugely important and imperative part about it. But I'm also seeing bigger uh, uh, infrastructural changes that look really promising for for the regular artist who isn't in the 0.01% signs to one of the big four. So I think that's probably my little, my little kickoff for the moment, and I'm excited to get into it. Okay. Great, thank you. Um, so let's just, I'm just gonna call on someone randomly, Verite. Uh, <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with, with blockchain and just you know, what, what it's, if you could, and if you could break it down as specifically as possible, because again, I think for a lot of people, this is a relatively abstract concept. So just you know, wh what has it done for you specifically? Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes to what Mark said. It's pro it's a new set of tools for problem solving. And so for me, I've been an independent artist for the last seven years. And at one point, I looked left and right and recognized that the platforms and systems that had allowed me to build my career independently were no longer viable options to move forward for a whole host of reasons. Um, a lot of which is that, you know, Algorithms are gating my access to the community that I've spent years building, um, etc. And so for me, when I came into this world, it was how do I solve the problems that I face and then pave a path for other artists to follow? And it's essentially how do we create value and reinvigorate the value of music when the baseline of that is free? Um, and I personally think that the baseline value and access to music being free is inherently a good thing. Um, that being said, there are different 
value propositions and experiences that we can now offer as artists to build our own ecosystems and have mutually beneficial relationships with ourselves and our communities. Great, thank you. And Nate? Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll just give a shout out to Verite. Um, Verite dropped on, on Royal uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And I think, yeah. Yeah, about two weeks ago. And um, to much success, I think it was like 500 tokens, uh, about 100K raised in the primaries. Um, and that really speaks to kind of what's happening here, is, which is this shift in economics and alignment between fans and artists, at least from our perspective. Um, blockchain really represents a way to really organize communities and then build economies on top of them and so with that I feel like I feel like there's going to be an explosion of new art new new creativity as people are able to actually work on their art all the time instead of having to do all these other things they're able to just work directly with their community and be incentivized alongside with their community at the same time for what they build so it's a really interesting time and it's a it's a super interesting time for artists like Verite who are like super proud to work with because we can see there being all sorts of like new artists coming out of this that may not have had the economic base or community to support them to be able to create their art in Web 2. So Web 3 really opens that door. Yeah, and I think I would just add to, add to that, like Web 3 opens that door like because of these unique community incentives. So like in a traditional sense, if an artist wants to like monetize their work directly to their fans, like in a Web 2 setting, this looks something like Patreon or something that revolves around patronage. And like the initial interaction is really just in this like core drop. The artists like receive some capital, but it's like hard to continue to engage those fans. And it's even harder to get those fans to like work on your behalf as an artist. And I think that, you know, there's one famous or uh, famous in my little world, but famous anecdote um, from someone who is like talking about the thousand true fans thesis. And you like compare it to like Sisyphus, where like I have to like continually curate like my thousand true fans, make sure like they remain engaged, and like it's like pushing the boulder up a hill. And every time I disengage to go work on my music again, the boulder rolls back down. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how does Web three solve that? I think that it starts to like reshape the question from, hey, like how much can I charge my fans for this work? And it starts to be like, okay, like how much can my fans actually like produce for me? And it's because they're like actually like incentivized to do so through these token economics. And then like the challenge in building platforms like Royal and Decent is like, all right, so now that's possible, well, how are we gonna design these systems to make sure that like the incentives are right such that the outcomes like materialize for artists like Verita? Great. Yeah. Thank you. That's okay. That's a really good sort of setting the stage. So now I'm just going to kind of throw out a bunch of like questions and concepts and you guys just want, I hope you'll just jump in, you know, with your thoughts. So for me, the biggest question here is that everybody has known that the payments and music has been broken for a while, right? This is a very commonly known thing. And yet blockchain tech, it hasn't totally really hit the mainstream yet, right? I mean, you guys are still really at the forefront. Um, and so I want to get in a little bit into why, you know, why that is. Like, what are, what are the barriers? What are the obstacles? If you're a new artist, how easy is this really to do? Because it makes so much sense. Everything you guys said makes so much sense. Why aren't more people doing it? Like, why is the sort of traditional order still the traditional order? So I don't know who wants to start with that. Anyone? Anyone. Uh, I'm happy to kick it off. Okay. Um, so I think, there's like, I think there's a couple of features there. So the first is like, the, the reaction of like this community here to what NFTs are is like very different than the reaction like a typical music fan would have to like one of their favorite artists releasing NFT. Like often it's met um, <laughs> with not not excitement would be probably the like delicate way of putting it, but like pretty like viscerally to the negative side. 
So like there's hesitancy for like the artists that like already have some fan base to like there's some opportunity cost in trying something new when like things are working. So like to that end, like I think Verite, like you're definitely on the forefront. There's a community of artists around that who, <coughs> excuse me, um, who like have like really sort of ushered, like been at the catalyst of this where. Um, like willing to take some chances, like try some new things, and like set the like set the path for like other artists to follow. Um, and then I think like the other part is just like a straight UX problem where it's like not that easy to set up MetaMask. Like buy an NFT, NFTs are like much easier to use than DeFi protocols. So like I think that's part of the reason you've started to see in the space like start to come along the way it is. Um, and like Royal, like you guys have like a great like pay with credit card interface that like definitely helps facilitate the whole user journey. But those are just sort of two things that like, I consider as like, immediate roadblocks for like, this space taking the next step. Yeah, I'll jump in on that since you, you called that piece out. It's an important piece. You know, the first sale we did was with Nas, which was important from a cultural standpoint on Royal. So Nas sold two songs. One was Rare. The other one was Ultra Black. I think total of 16 million streams on the songs. Primary sale raised about half a million dollars. And I think there's been almost a million dollars in trading volume on those tokens. Um, on OpenSea since. Um, one thing that was important to Nas's team when we were getting ready to drop was he wanted these to be accessible. A lot of his friends, you know, back from Queensbridge where he comes from, um, a lot of them weren't in Web3 and he's like, what, what are my friends going to do to get into this? I don't want to sit on the phone and teach them about MetaMask and like how to do all this. So, you know, we put their concerns at ease by, to your point, there's a, there's a crypto buy flow. If you really want to do it the crypto way. We minted the assets to Polygon and you can connect your wallet and do all that. But we also had a, a regular buy flow with credit card where we would spin up a wallet using Venly and then mint you the asset. And the reason why that we felt like that's important is because what needs to probably happen here just in NFTs in general, which we all seen the backlash, is that we need to get into the enablement era and stop talking so much about the technology, but talk about what the technology enables. And in this case, it was like true ownership. And so for fans, when we were marketing the Nas drop, we never said much about Web3 or NFTs. We just said, own a piece of Nas's catalog. This is the first time an artist has been able to sell their royalties, their masters directly to um, fans. And it's a historic moment. And so a lot of the people that came, and I think we saw about 60% of the people that came to buy those tokens, this was actually their first wallet. So... For this to go mainstream, we really feel strongly that there needs to be an on-ramp that, you know, if my mom wants to come and buy, you know, some old-school Aretha Franklin album, you know, on there, like, she's able to do that without feeling intimidated. And I think we're moving towards that um, and using, you know, better use cases around adding utilities on top of these NFTs, like ownership in our case. But it is going to come down to, like, some of these things where we're creating more, like, easier on-ramps for this. So I think you raise a really important point. So you use the example of Nas, who, you know, in my humble opinion, is one of the greatest artists of all time, right? So, so he already has a huge fan base, and people will jump over barriers to, to you know, to, to access his art, especially if he's trying something new. But what about for a newer, lesser-known artist, right? I imagine they don't quite have that same advantage. So I, I know, Mark, you have some thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are... We're talking about a, a very wide spectrum game. You've mm. got Nas, and then you've got uh, people who might just be thinking about their first release and their first show. Mm. And I think no matter at what point in that spectrum you look, the opportunity comes for people to get in early on an asset that not only could benefit the supporter, but will also massively benefit the artist. 
So, I mean, just, just a quick show of hands as well. Does anyone, who knows about MetaMask here? Like, chuck your hands up. So, like, you can see that even, even in this room, I know we're in a, a kind of a tech festival, but that adoption is starting to happen now that you, that you talk about. And even with uh, my fan base or, or fan base of artists that are starting out, people are willing to learn, aren't they? And they are willing to start their first wallet, and they are wi willing to support. And I think that actually, maybe I speak for some of you here where the opportunity is a lot more exciting finding a brand new artist that you're helping to support and you're helping to, 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 to build up. And as opposed to it being like go and stream something on Spotify where your 10 bucks a month goes to a corporation and then one tiny little share goes to that artist, if you're able to sell an NFT with like a one-off one NFT, which is a golden ticket for life, someone might be willing to spend a thousand bucks on that. And for a small artist, the impact and the effect and the, the growth energy can actually mean a hell of a lot more yeah. uh, than when you have an engine like Nas, who has a huge staffing. He's got a lot of mouths to feed when it comes to his team. Mm -hmm. It can be a game changer for, for smaller independent artists. Yeah, and I guess, you know, part of it, the flip side of it is that the smaller independent artists can also tap into just sort of the the excitement about NFTs and, and blockchain and stuff like that. There, so, there's yeah. literally people in my network who have, have hit a bit of buzz. They've been talented. They've mm -hmm. been hardworking. And they've gone overnight to doing quarter of a million dollars in, in NFT drops. And that, the fact that that technology is here now for people to use yeah. is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I think like... The one thing that we don't see in streaming is, is you don't see those 100 or 200 or 500 like super fans who will do anything for you. Like that number yeah. is obscured behind the subscription number, right? And so the thing you see here is, and we've already seen it, which is there could be artists that don't have high streaming numbers, but they do have a thousand fans who will go anywhere for them. And so, you know, with streaming, you can definitely get the map of what an artist. Uh, appeal is, but you can't get the topography of what an artist appeal is. And the is. engagement so, level as well. The yeah, engagement yeah, yeah. level. So it's that, it's that small group of like ride or die fans and activating them in part of this community, right? And so I feel like, you know, with Verite, a lot of artists are like watching Verite and which, the moves she's doing because she's doing them so masterfully. Um, and it comes down to experimentation. You talk about Nas, you know, hip hop in general has always been about experimentation. Even if you go back to the beginning of hip hop before they, you know, before they wanted to recognize it at the academy, these guys had to like sell it out the trunk of their cars. And then, you know, there was a confluence of technology that helped it help hip hop really get distributed globally, which was the advent of cheap cable TV, VHS is in everybody's home and then the music video and so people started shipping these music videos of these rap artists all over the world and that created a touring base um, and we're, we're kind of at a similar inflection point where this is basically incentivized distribution. Nobody that shipped, you know, those VHS tapes of Rakim or like Public Enemy, you know, over to their friends overseas, they didn't get any, you know, rewards for doing that. Now, you know, fans are going to get those rewards. So, if you could imagine somebody being able to buy Billie Eilish before she was famous, like I love Billie Eilish, and then 10 years from later, like you still have that token, not only are, like, not only are you able to brag, but there's, there's obviously an economic reward in having what essentially is a Billie Eilish rookie card, right? Yeah, that's big. Yeah. I think from my perspective too, it's segmented. It's like what is the artist experience uh, coming into Web3 and then what is the fan experience? And I think from the artist's perspective, artists that are going to be successful here are going to be inherently entrepreneurial. 
and recognize that like this is an extremely long game. Um, and if you are working to build your world, your ecosystem with your community, like that is a very large commitment. And I think that's right, why right now mostly independent artists are here and are playing. But what I found is that um, there is almost no crossover from my fan base that has kind of sustained me for the last seven years and all of the experimentation that I'm doing in Web3. It's, I have one or two fans that like have gotten into crypto really early. And so they've actually um, bought some of the more high value things. And then I've developed a new fan base kind of within this new world. Uh, but to Nate's point, um, the first crossover that I had was with the Royal Drop, uh, where I hosted a town hall on my Discord and people actually participated. And that's because uh, the user experience was so easy. You could create a wallet. And I think that from an education standpoint, it's a very dangerous place for an artist to be educating their fan base on crypto and on MetaMask because we have to understand that um, we, do, we don't want to uh, disappoint someone. So if I, as an artist, go to a fan and say, buy some ETH and then buy this thing, and then the price of ETH plummets, they don't understand gas, etc., cetera, um, I am the one to blame. And so I think that education processes, like we need to streamline them so that um, Royal is a much better education vehicle than me in that case, um, which you guys did a really brilliant job on. Um, but I do think that the cross-pollination will truly happen when, like, like you said, the UX is there and the on-ramping is easy. Uh, but for now, playing in both worlds, it's really interesting. And to now watch you know, my Discord and community merge with like Web3 and traditional fans and see the questions that people are asking. Yeah, that's a really good point. I can see where those challenges would arise. So just kind of looking forward, you know, as you all know, like, you know, years ago with like the internet and even with streaming, people thought that this was actually really good for artists, right? Like this was supposed to be like, this was supposed to revolutionize the music industry. And then it kind of turned and now it's bad for artists. And I'm just, you know, just if we're really thinking about this, is there any danger that something like that could happen here? You know, right now everybody talks about, you know, blockchain and decentralization and revolutionizing everything. But is there any danger that somehow it could become more centralized? There could just become, it could become more monopolized because history has a way to, a way of trending that way. So I'm just wondering if there's anything, any, anything out there that, you know, people should be careful of. I'll take a shot at this one. I mean, firstly, when you talk about the, the, that earlier revolution that you say where it's like, has it turned, has it gone against musicians? I, I honestly think that's a really big debate. Kind of further to your point, it's like, there's good and bad things about all tools that humans make. And the fact that music can be accessible for free, I think is actually fundamentally a good thing. I, I'm never one to, to kind of like look down on tools, whether it's the Spotify or radio or whatever. Yes, when there's companies involved, uh, there is always a hierarchy of, of power. That's how corporations function, and some of them function really well, and some of them function badly. Uh, and I think that the, the way my, my overarching point on where I'm going with this is that if we're going to move from a hierarchical power-led model to something that's distributed, we talk about DAOs and decentralized organizations, and the, the more independent thinking people who are part of the project, the less likely it is to be twisted or manipulated by a very small team of people motivated by whatever they're being motivated by. 
give it, be it money, power, whatever. So yes, there's a big debate to be had about certain revolutions. There's definitely a debate to be had about this upcoming revolution. But I think no one has a crystal ball, um, but we're all humans and we're going to use the tools for good or evil as we choose. My hope, and if I was to guess what the future is going to be, is the more of us who partake in this and the more collaborative we are, the more likely it is to give a beneficial future and a beneficial outcome. That's my hope. I think this is going to be like a pretty interesting question over the next year, two years, where I think there's like a tension between like platforming and like artist DAOs, for example. Like those are two like very different routes that this market could take. Um, so on the artist DAO side, like that's where like an artist can really monetize their community like as deeply as possible. But it's like fairly isolated. And if you look at DAOs like usage statistics, I think Aragon just published a really nice document on this. Like only 40% of DAOs are actually active a year after. And it's like, so it's hard to like keep your community engaged. It's hard to get new DAO members, but like that's the fully decentralized route for like music and crypto going forwards, where like you wouldn't see any risk of like gate kept access to X. Um, the other route is something like platforming. So um, I think that like this is, this is going to be the route that like most artists will actually prefer because you'll get to mutually benefit from each artist's fan base that's onboarded onto the platform. But that becomes now like a node of centralization within the ecosystem. Like the difference is how that artist uses the platform is completely up to them. The tool set should be like pretty flexible to a variety of use cases. And like the big difference between like Spotify and like what a sort of platform crypto company would look like is you always know exactly who your fans are and you always know exactly who the fans are of artists similar to you. So like there should be like very realistic expectations of expansion no matter what. And the monetization is still ultimately in your control as well. So you're not subject to like, you know, royalty rate agreements between like Spotify and Warner Music that's like completely out of your control as an artist. Mm. Um, so I do think that it'll be interesting to see, I guess like my point here is, um, just like which path prevails and like how does platforming end up looking in a somewhat more decentralized environment? Yeah, this is, this is something I think about a lot, actually. And to your point, I think it's going to take a while before we get out of this. I do think there's going to be two primary kind of modes, which is one is kind of this completely open, wild, wild west, decentralized world that some people prefer. And then there's going to be other, other consumers that vote for this semi-centralized world where there's some sheriff in town to protect me. The tension is going to get kind of sharpened. Um, as Karl Marx says, you've got to sharpen the contradictions. Those contradictions are going to kind of get sharpened um, when there's an argument over what should get enforced and what shouldn't get enforced. What does user protection or user safety mean? in a Web3 world where users are saying, wait a minute, is this on the issuer of the token, the sponsor of the token, or is, or is this on the platform to protect me? And like, there's kind of this dance that's going to happen where platforms are going to say, hey, this is not on me, this is on the token issuer, or the token issuer, not, this is not me, this is a platform thing, and then the users are going to... And so there's going to be this dance, and it's going to be interesting to see what really emerges. I think we've seen several DAO models and how treasuries are used and, and you know, collector DAOs and, and project DAOs and things like that. And I think the, all of those are going to be applied to music. And um, I think we're just going to go through this 
this kind of learning process together for the next three to five years. Um, and the platforms that come out of that are really going to set kind of the tone for how do you platform in the future? Because it's not going to look like the previous platforms. And that's the reason why people are flocking away from um, the older platforms to this newer stuff. But as they come, how much of the expectations from Web 2 come with them? And, and which ones are people okay saying, look, I get it. I'm going to give up kind of this benefit that I used to have in Web 2 for this other thing that I couldn't do in Web 2? And what are those trade-offs going to be? It's going to be interesting to find out. Just to like add on to that real quick, um, also related to like what we were just talking about, like the different user sets on sort of like the Nas type drop versus an indie artist, like those support those active on catalog are like very often like cryptive native users. Um, like I was actually shocked to hear like 60% of wallets that was your their first NFT on Royal. Uh, most of these people like already have an NFT or like pretty indoctrinated into Web3. And that comes like with a very different ideology with like a lot of these folks um, with the sort of like solar punk libertarian ethos. They want maximum control over every asset they're buying. They want to be able to flow it through like composable platforms versus like that is like very different than the traditional music fan that just wants to support their artist. And I think that you'll see that like really feed in and like exacerbate the tension between like what does a platform look like and who is on that platform. So then what are you going to build? versus what does an artist style structure look like? Who's using that? So what are you going to build? Yeah, and I think with every technological innovation, there are unintended consequences that will inevitably come. Like you said with streaming, like when I started releasing music, the narrative was that streaming is going to ruin the music industry and it doesn't pay. And I was just like, but this is the only distribution access that I have as an independent artist. And, you know, 350 million streams later, I've been, you know, lucky enough to really build the foundation of my career via streaming. But it does hit a point of diminishing return at some point um, where you become too platform independent, don't have access to information. I don't have access to specific stats. You have to beg Spotify uh, to access that audience. And so recognizing that, like, that system is now, it's, it's still going to exist and you can still strategize and play that game. But what Web3 allows you to do is, um, is really build your own as an artist. And I think the key is um, utilizing platforms as tools, but not being dependent on them. So it's like, I can release on Royal, I can release on Catalog and viewing all of these things as like, you know, literally just mechanisms to feed back into my central hub. And some people are doing that through DAOs. I'm not ready to do a DAO yet. I feel like this landscape is going to change so much in the next one to three years. And I, um, like, like you said, it's like most of these DAOs don't exist after a year. So if and when I do that, I want it to be something that lasts forever. Um, but that being said, it's like slowly um, checking the landscape. But I think streaming allowed um, a longer tail of artists to make a living. Um, before that, it was like you had to be signed to a major label. And now Web3 is allowing, is like extending that tail of monetization. Mm -hmm. And it'll be really interesting to see like what those problems are and how we solve them. But probably there'll be another innovation in five years as this marketplace gets wholly oversaturated that we're going to have to kind of solve for. It's kind of inevitable. Thanks. That's really, really interesting perspectives. Um, so I imagine there's probably some artists here. It would, it would make sense, right? Um, so 
I guess my question is, what is some really practical advice you would give for independent artists who want to get into this, who've never done it before, maybe you're not even familiar with this technology? What are some specific pieces of advice and what should they avoid? Like, what are some common mistakes that you see that people should avoid when, when getting into this space? Uh, I think that, that's, a, that's an easy question for me because I spend a lot of my days consulting on exactly that, that question. So for, for those who uh, don't know me, uh, I'm an artist, but I also have a digital agency and, I, and I've got involved with strategizing and planning NFT drops and I've been lucky to do lots in lots of different ways. And there's a couple of really, really common mistakes that I come across every time I have meetings. Uh, and I can compress them a little for you because the first thing is always think about the value proposition above everything else. Everyone gets wrapped into how many shall I make and what this and da 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 and how, what should I do. The only thing that really matters when you're doing an NFT drop is what is the value proposition? What, what experience are you going to give to your supporter? What, do, what would you want to get if you bought one of these NFTs? Is it access to a show? Is it access to digital spaces? Is there a vote that you can you know, see album artwork? Is there an unlockable folder that you get access to? Really, once you, once you think about that first kind of bastion of uh, process, then you're good to go. Then the rest falls into place. Usually people rush into the tokenomics and how much money can be made and, uh, and this and that. And really, uh, NFTs, I, I think, uh, instead of going down my, my arm-long list of things to, 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 do, to do and not do, I would summarize it that simply. Think about the value proposition to the community. What is it functionally going to do and give them? And once you know that and once you've got that in your gut, actually, the rest is pretty straightforward. Jump on YouTube, learn it, understand how it works, how does OpenSea work. It's, it's a little tricky in parts, but it's not rocket science. And uh, you, you know, you've you've got this. You got it. I think the light bulb moment <clears throat> for a lot of artists we talk to. I've talked to probably over 600 artists now in six months, seven months. I think the light bulb moment is a lot of what Verite is doing, which I think for your diamond holders, you're dropping them individual music videos, right? Mm -hmm. Which is unique to them. Eleven unique music videos. No one's ever really thought of marketing this way or engaging their fans this way. And, you know, even to the labels that we have conversations with, you know, the light bulb goes on with them where they're like, you know, we typically stage our marketing around album and song releases. So it's a cycle. But in this world, it's kind of this perpetual cycle where you've got this super fan base that is not owned by any of the Web2 platforms like Meta or TikTok or whatever. We know, you know who our token holders are, and we can just do stuff with them at any time. So there's this perpetual kind of marketing motion um, that is a different way of thinking about interacting with your fans from the prior world. In the prior world, it's like, okay, I got my, my meet and greets. Um, you know, I've got my backstage stuff that I'm doing. Um, I'm going to do some promo stuff on radio. Um, around the release of the record. But in this world, it's like, okay, I'm going direct through Twitter, Discord. I'm going to just, if I feel like being creative today, I'm just making some shit. I'm going to make some dope stuff and I'm just going to come on Twitter and if I feel like I'm just going to drop this on them. I was in the studio today. This song will never make my album, but why don't I just give it to my, to my token holders? And this changes the dynamic for like how you can insert yourself into the consciousness of music fans. And so when you talk about up and coming artists, 
if they adopt that part of it, like the marketing psychology part of it, to be able to engage the fans in this way, it's actually an advantage over the slower adopting artists. And right now is a chance where stars can be made just by really just understanding that, that if somebody loves you and you know who they are, you can do something special for them that you could not have done before, and they'll go and talk about it everywhere dude one thing to jump in on there like what as we're here with south by one of the things i did totally spontaneously was i just dropped a, a thing in an unlock folder for my nfts and i was like i'm gonna fly anyone who holds one of my nfts to south by yeah. i've got two people here who i've paid <laughs> to fly in and they're and gonna talk tickets. about you everywhere yeah. right you yeah. didn't pay for that marketing right yeah. but but the, the thing the thing to bear in mind is like how that made me feel yeah. to be able to give these experiences to these fans and be like look i'm buying you a ticket to fly out and, and be it reminds you as an artist of Man. why you're doing this it's right? cool it's it's it was a good moment it's i'm just curious though like what does it look like when somebody does it wrong though like you're talking about doing like you're saying like the important thing is to think about the fans so what is the opposite of that like just like could you, i'm just curious I mean, you don't have to name any names but what would be an example oh, of rugging, somebody doing yeah, rugging this, like, your fans don't <laughs> there's tons but i mean look, put it this way you, you everyone must have seen the the like the pfp one of ten thousand algorithmically generated blah they do it, they, they sell a ton of them, and then they put no effort into what that community has bought. They don't care about them. They take the money and forget about it. That is the epitome of doing it wrong. And sadly for us, it also gives the space a bad name. There's a lot of rug pulls, a lot of people taking a cash grab, and we're going to have to battle those people who have tarnished this space for years to come, right? I mean, I'm sure you can... Yeah, I, I think from my perspective too, right, all of this needs to be... We need to remain curious, especially as artists, and especially, like, again, the baseline is free. We don't know what people actually value. When we look at especially music, it's like, yes, the sentimental value, limitless, but how far is someone willing to open their wallet for something? We actually don't necessarily know, and so when I see artists come in, like, new artists, no fan base, um, pricing their one of one at like one ETH and then it doesn't sell, it, it cuts off the curiosity because me personally, when I started my first three NFTs, I think I'm, they sold for like a good amount, like probably $50,000 those first three NFTs, right? Um, no reserve prices, right? I just let people bid because I, I, I was curious, like how much is someone willing to pay for like a one of one MP3 that they can stream for free? And so I think not putting yourself in a box of value and then it gives you data so that then you can price moving forward and be like, oh, now I can increase. Like Nate and I were talking about, it's like the data that I gathered from the Royal Drop of we sold it out in seconds. Six seconds. Six seconds, right? And so that it's like next time I do a Royal Drop, we'll take all of that into account and be able to price accordingly. But if you don't allow yourself to kind of gather data and build your value and build your community, um, you're just kind of cutting yourself off at the knees. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, d I definitely agree with that. I think it's also important to like realize why a lot of fans are buying an NFT. And it's like, and for most of them, I think there's two like prevailing narratives. Like the first one would be like benevolence. Like I really love Veritas. I'm going to pay 50 grand for this NFT because like I believe in her. It's going to be awesome. The other one would be like you are seeking some sort of financial returns because there's a lot of ways to support an artist. And like buying NFT is a very specific use case. And the only thing that's like truly new about NFTs relative to like Patreon is I can take the proof that I support this artist and go sell it on OpenSea. Mm -hmm. um, and like, 
So then, like, I think Verite just had like, a great point about pricing. So to do it badly would be to eliminate one or both of those use cases for fans. And an easy way to do that is to like, really overprice the offering and have like, exceptionally low utility value post-drop. Um, and this starts to get into something like we honestly think about a ton at Decent, where like, it is unbelievable that your NFT drop sold out in six seconds. But from like a strictly economic like sense, it kind of means that like you could have honestly probably released a ton more, um, which isn't necessarily good by any means. Like there's value in scarcity, like intrinsically. There's value in community intrinsically, but like it does raise the question of like what was like the optimum price to receive the best outcome, um, and I think that like there's going to be some artists over the next couple of months here that like start to be quite innovative around how the NFTs are actually released. And that's going to lead to like pretty different outcomes post-drop as well, I believe. Um, and a lot of that stems around like a general principle that I think that like secondary trading is like genuinely like what is unique about this space and like how that unites a community, like what augments it, and the, the ability to like encourage that in like a positive way is um, is in large part a function of initial pricing. Yeah, I, I kind of want to jump in on this because you you made a really good point. And it's part of the conversation we always have with artists, which is you can do whatever you want. Um, you know, you can you could you can price it however you want. We suggest you price it in an access in a, an accessible way, uh, and look at the the volume trading on OpenSea after the fact to find out what the true market is for it, and then come back, because that's just better for your community long term. The worst thing you can do is overprice it; it barely sells out, right? Later on. You know, they're not trading very well. You've got a lot of pressure on you in your Discord to deliver all this value that you can't possibly deliver enough. And then everybody starts complaining that this was a rug pull. So what, what Verite did very smart because obviously your music is worth a lot according to the, the data we have. Your music's worth a lot more than what you sold it for. This says Verite, one, cares about her fans. Two, is prudent in how she's approaching the space. Right. And then three has a plan for how she's going to deliver value over the long haul. And that's why I love the fact that Verite is a role model, because people are watching her moves and saying, OK, this is the model. You know, it's not like we haven't had artists come to us and say, hey, I want to make a bag, you know, I want to make half a million. I want to make a million. And we're just like, just not the platform for that. We're just not for you, because that's just not the approach that I mean, there's going to be platforms that's like they'll pay pay artists out a, ba a huge bag to do things, um, and that's fine. Like, it's there's no right or wrong. We just think, um, you know, our philosophy is that like the way to approach this love affair between fans and artists should be that you crawl, then walk, then run. Well, and accessibility was the whole point of the royal drop as well, because prior to that, I had really done very high value one of ones um, that were wholly inaccessible. And so when I'm talking to this stuff about my fans, why would they want to spend 10 grand again on a song that they can stream for free? Um, you have to recognize that like there's different consumer psychologies for somebody who's going to pay $10,000 for something versus someone who would never pay $10,000 for something. And so at a $150 price point, um, I really framed it to my fan base as like, this is the next generation of a merch bundle. And we bundled something physical, we bundled an experience, which was the, the floor of the value, essentially. Um, so if the price of the token fluctuated up or down, um, 
if the 0.01% of streaming royalties they get isn't as meaningful as a financial contribution, because as we know, those royalties are relatively low, they're getting both an experience and a tangible good, and I price my merch bundles at 150 anyway, right? So it's actually um, not a lift on their end, and that's why I saw so many fans, and I had fans not able to get it, right? So I had more fans participate that were able to get fans, but it is, it's being hyper-conscious of like, who are we catering to, and recognizing that the beauty of this is that you have a free price point, then you have a relatively low price point, which is going to be different. And then we can treat music like fine art and have really high value one of ones and really high value experiences. And the goal for an artist is to create a constellation of revenue streams that can exist where we can actually cater to everyone, bring them all together and then create unique experiences for each. But you got a great view on that. You, you viewed your drop as the beginning of a relationship, not as a transactional end of the relationship after the credit card is swiped. It was just the beginning. Yeah, it, it, it has to be because people, one of the biggest critiques is like the financialization of music, mm -hmm. right? It's like when, when fan, and besides some other things, it's like people don't like that it's like, oh, all of a sudden we're talking about money and music, which is from my perspective as an independent artist, I'm like, I've always been thinking about <laughs> both, you know? But for fans, that's a new experience. And so... I'm not trying to extract as much money from my fans as possible. I'm trying to give them as much art and experience as possible and then create new ways for them to kind of participate in the world. That's a great note to end on. We're running out of time, but this was really amazing, you guys. I thank you so much for being so specific and so helpful. And it's sort of the main takeaway for me is that it's all about community, which is just kind of crypto in general, right? And the successful artists are the ones who are thinking about their community and community building. And I think you, this was a really great panel. So thank you so much. Um, I think there's an AMA after this. So you guys will all have a chance to speak to everybody. All right. yeah. Awesome.